There's something very special when God's people gather to worship and to sing. Um, and uh, what's heaven going to be like when we gather around the throne and sing his praise? Let's hear from God's word. Something slightly different uh, today as we think about thanksgiving. How can we be a thankful people? Well, we're going to think about, we're going to think about the peace of God and the God of peace. Philippians 4, and we read from verse 1 through uh, to verse 9. This is God's word. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Iodia, and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And... The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Thanking God for his word. Let's pray together. And as we do, let's think about how, how we are to live as thankful people. What does... What does this passage tell us about how we live as thankful people? It's one thing to say we're thankful. It's another thing to sing that we're thankful. But how do we live as thankful people? Let's pray. I plead with the Odia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Lord, as thankful people, we ask that you will help us to agree with each other in the Lord. We pray for people in our lives in our families, in our work situations, in our communities, maybe even within the church, and we are not agreeable with them at the minute. Help us to be truly thankful people. 
and to be able to live in loving agreement. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Father, we pray that you will make us thankful people who are, will be loyal yoke fellows who will help people to know the peace of God and the God of peace. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Father, as thankful people, help us to be people who rejoice. We can say it, we can sing it, but may we live it. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Father, as thankful people, help us to be truly gentle. And may our gentleness not be hidden in the inside. May it be evident to all so that all might see it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. O Lord, we are anxious about many things. But if truth be told, we rarely pray. Help us to be a thankful people who in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present our request to God. We do that, Lord, even now as we pray for each other. May we be a prayerful, thankful people. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, 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 think about such things. Lord, as, as thankful people, help us to think biblically and spiritually. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Oh God, help us to listen to your word, to listen to the preaching of your word and help us to put it into practice. As thankful people, that's how we ought to live. As disciples of Jesus, that's how we ought to live. And we know, Father, you promised and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, and the peace of God will be with you. Thank you for these promises. We pray for in our hearts and minds, in our families and in our church, there will be peace. The God of peace and the peace of God. Grant us your help in all these things, because we cannot do it by ourselves, but in Jesus, we can do all things. We pray for his help in Jesus' name. Amen. Just as I was praying about prayer, let me remind you of Wednesday night at 7.30. We'll be in the minor hall uh, for prayer. Uh, it lasts about 45 or 15 minutes, maybe an hour. I always like to bring the time down a bit to entice you to come, but not be more than an hour. Last time we had a wonderful time, but we invite you to join us for that. Anyway, we're going to talk to the boys and girls now. And here's what um, I want. Oh, yes, thank you. Oh, you've got a picture there. You shouldn't have seen that picture. That's coming up in a minute too. Thank you 
Father. That's what we're really saying today. You know, um, we're, we're saying thank you, God, for all the good things that you give to us that we really enjoy and we really appreciate. And we're simply saying thank you. We do that every day, but we've got this wonderful opportunity to do it in this day we call Harvest Sunday. And I thought I would share with you some of the things that I'm particularly thankful for. Okay, are you ready? Here's the first one. What's that? It's a pineapple. That's probably my favorite fruit. And the doctors tell me it's full of sugar and it's not supposed to be that terribly good and it's very expensive, so I don't get it that often. But I'm thankful for pineapples. Actually, I like looking at them. You see that head, you know, that head of hair that it's got, you know? I I think it's it's a beautiful fruit, isn't it? I'm very thankful for pineapples. Any boys and girls want to tell me what fruit they're thankful for? If not pineapple, yep. Strawberries. Oh, there, that comes a close second. I, I, listen, I'm an old man. I can't hear the shout it louder. Oranges. Nice and sweet oranges. Yeah, anybody else got a, yeah, yeah what's your favorite fruit? Grapes. Great. Grapes are great, aren't they? Here's another thing that I'm thankful for. What's that? What's that? Yeah. What's it? Yeah. A fire. But not just any old fire. It's a, at least I hope it is. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Wood fire. Excellent. Yes, a log fire. Isn't it? That's lovely to have a log fire. I really like to boast about this, but I was complaining about having no logs in the garage for the first time in almost 30 years that I've been here in Rich Hill. That was on the Friday night of the barbecue. And you know what happened? On the Saturday night, God blew with his wind, puff, 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 puff. (laughs) And an old dead tree at the back of the manse came down. And we've got lots of logs. And you're not getting any of them. That's what I'm thankful for. And then this. We all know what that is, don't we? What's your favorite Maud's ice cream flavor? And we got a favorite one? Because I... Chocolate. chocolate. I like chocolate and I like ice cream, but I don't like chocolate ice cream. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Anybody else want to tell me what their favorite ice cream is? Chocolate as well. Very good. Yeah. Do you know, we were down in Enniskillen yesterday at Jeff's Licensing. And as we were walking from the car park to the church, there was a Maud's cafe, and I was nearly tempted to go in there instead and just spend the afternoon, <laughs> but no, I went on. Here's another thing that I love, and I'm very, very thankful for. Does anybody know what that is? Yeah, you, you want the Bible, the reason why I love the Bible is it tells me about Jesus, it tells me about my sin, it tells me about my Savior. It's a great book. I, 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 it's part of my everyday life. It's part of our everyday life, and we should be thankful to God for the Bible. Here's another thing that I'm thankful for. Isn't that a sweet photograph? That shirt's looking a bit tight on me there, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> that's my screensaver, my computer, but there we are. Isn't that, there's two mums and the family, and of course, there'll be a few others joining that family, hopefully, in the next few months, but I'm thankful for family. Thankful. We're thankful today for all kinds of things, and we've got some examples of it here with bread and grapes. 
and all kinds of fruit, and there's stuff in the, um, out there in the foyer as well. But how are we supposed to be thankful? What we're going to be thinking about today, boys and girls, and what we want you to talk about when you go home, especially those of you who go down to um, RPC Kids, but all of us over the lunch table, we want to think about how we show our thanks. And here's three ideas. Let's be happy. Let's be joyful. All that God has given to us. Let's rejoice. And let's not be grumpy or complaining, but let's be positive and thankful. And then let your gentleness be evident to all. We're supposed to be gentle in the way we treat one another and we're to let it be seen. So in all our relationships, we, we ought to be gentle. And then prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. That, that's how we show our thankfulness. There's just three ideas. Rejoice, be joyful, be gentle, be prayerful. Boys and girls, that's how we show we're thankful. It's one thing just to grab and to take and enjoy. It's another thing to say, thank you, Father. Thank you for giving us these things. I'm going to pray now for, uh, for us all, um, but for our precious young ones. Lord, we thank you for each boy and girl here, for each individual here this morning, and we ask that you will help us to be truly thankful, and not just in words, but in the way we live and in the way we have our relationship with you, so that we might be a people who rejoice and a people who are gentle and a people who are prayerful. Lord, help us all to understand these things, to learn these things, and to practice them. For your great glory, we ask it. Amen. So those going to RPC Kids, you can uh, leave right now. And then we're going to be uh, going to our study. So if you've got your Bibles, open at uh, Philippians 4, please. So before we turn to study, let's once again ask God to speak to us. Remember, we can, we can make up all kinds of things from any piece of literature, and that includes the Bible. And so we need to um, have the help of the Holy Spirit to apply the Word to our hearts. Lord, as your people, as your thankful people, we come asking you now to speak to our hearts and into our lives in a very clear way so that we might know that it's right to be thankful, but how to be thankful. We pray for this help in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're, we're trying to think about how we might be thankful people and how thankful people actually live. We are thankful. I mean, the very fact that we're here indicates that we are a thankful people. But how is that ruled out in our lives? How is that ruled out in our families and even in our church? 
Well, I think in, in the passage that's before us today, there are two phrases that, that kind of jump out at us. Verse 7, the peace of God, and then in verse 9, the God of peace. We need to know the peace of God, and we need to know the God of peace. It's what thankful disciples do. Now, if you're familiar with the, the fourth chapter of uh, this letter to the Philippian church from Paul, you'll know that the next section, verse 10 to 13, is about the subject of contentment. This section, verses 4 to 9, has many themes, but the theme of peace is one that stands out very clearly. Peace. If we're going to be thankful people, we need to grasp and understand and have and live out the peace of God. And that's hard in this broken and fallen world. Uh, we had the, some of us had the privilege of being up at adult Bible class, and we learned, uh, Mike was teaching us there about the importance of, of living in a, this fallen, broken world and what that means. These are hard days, aren't they? To have peace. On the international level, we see what's going on in the likes of Ukraine and Iran. Uh, recently, we had floods in Pakistan and Australia famine again in Somalia, the world, the international situation is pretty bleak. On a national level, we've got the um, cost of living crisis, inflation at record levels, rising energy costs, political instability, and COVID hasn't gone away, we're told. I mean, locally, we have ongoing sectarianism, increased drug problems, declining moral standards. How in the kind of world that we live in, can we have peace? And then, of course, we've just what goes on in our own heads and hearts, the problems of personal living, the pressures of work and relationships and aging, they, they affect body, mind, and soul. And in the midst of all these issues, and perhaps many, many more, God's people are called to contentment, verses 10 to 13, and to experience the peace of God. That's what we're called to experience. And this is the way a thankful disciple lives. Do you really want to be a thankful disciple? Then we've got to get to grips with contentment, yes, but peace, the peace of God. So are we thankful today for um, the necessities of life and many luxuries as well? Do we recognize the sovereignty of God in his goodness to us? Do we humbly receive his providential care? Are we thankful? Then let the peace of God surround your hearts and your souls. Let the peace of God guard your hearts and your minds. That's the way to live. That's the way to be thankful. What we have, I think, are two assurances and four actions if we're going to get to grips with this issue of peace. Uh, here are the two assurances. First of all, we're controlled by the wonderful and mysterious peace and presence of God. We see that in verse 7. And then we're guarded by the peace and presence of God in verses 7b and 9b. So let's think of that first one. We are controlled by the wonderful, mysterious, supernatural presence of God Verse 7a, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds 
in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. When we have the peace of God, we receive something that transcends all human understanding. It's something that the world cannot offer or counterfeit. It is beyond human comprehension. With his peace, we are touched by, we are marked by the supernatural presence of God. And can I tell you, if you could put that into a bottle and sell it, billions would crave for it and go for it. It cannot be explained by people and it cannot be understood by the world. If I had a fiver for every time I've, a, a, a believer said to me over the years, you know, I could not have managed without the sweet presence of God. Or I've received such a peace in this difficult situation, in this crisis. Or I don't know how others can cope going through what we've had to go through without the peace of God. In fact, my last call on Friday evening was, was as a member of the church. That's exactly what he said to me. Again. And he didn't even give me the fiver. It surpasses all comprehension. It transcends all human understanding. It's far beyond our imagination. It exceeds and surpasses what we could possibly hope for. The peace of God. And the promise is this, when we have it, it controls the way we think and the way we live in this fallen, broken, sad, miserable world. It's what we desperately need in our lives. It's what our neighbors and our friends need to see in our lives if we're going to um, evangelize them, if we're going to seek them out and win them for Christ. It's what's promised here. Something beyond human understanding, something supernatural, something divine, something godly. It cannot be explained by anything else, not personality, not the friendship circle that you have around you. It is of God, and that's what we should be able to say, because I have the peace of God, because I have the peace of God, this is God working in my life. God is in the midst. God is at work. He's not finished with me yet. I can get through this. This is the peace that's promised here. And this is the peace that we need in our hearts and lives. We are controlled. Yes, we're controlled by this wonderful, mysterious presence of God. But secondly, we're guarded by the peace and presence of God. Notice at the end of verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And in the verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds, and the God of peace will be with us. That's what's assured to us, what's promised to us. That, that's a very powerful image being used here by guarding. Picture a besieged fortress. Can you picture that in your mind? A fortress, of course, 
stands for the Christian's heart or soul. If the fortress is held, that means maturity, progress, growth, stability in the Christian life and in the life of the disciple. If the fortress is held, but if the, the, the fortress of the heart or the soul is damaged or, or, or lost or breached, if the walls are broken down, do you know what that leads to? Spiritual slipping and sliding and slumping, that's what occurs. What we're assured is that when we have the peace of God, we're, our hearts and minds are guarded. We're strong and we're safe. Is that the state of your spiritual heart today? Strong and safe? Or if truth be told, you're feeling a bit ropey, you're weak and you're damaged. In fact, you're, you're almost giving up. You're almost giving up. You've let the enemy breach the walls of the fortress of your heart. The awesome fact is this, that in Christ, our hearts can be, should be guarded, heavily garrisoned by the peace of God. Can you picture the walls of your heart patrolled by the God of peace himself? Can you picture centuries in place by the peace of God? Do you know what the gospel says to us today? The king saves us. The king indwells us. But more than that, the king guards our hearts. It's called the peace of God. And so we can have spiritual rest and we can have our hearts and minds protected because our companion in life, our savior, is the king himself. And he's the God of peace. What a promise. Peace. Yeah. Peace in our heads and in our hearts. Peace in our relationships with others. Peace in our salvation. From the king himself. I don't know what's going on in your life. Perhaps you're, you're facing a crisis of mental health. Many, maybe you're under stress in relationships or at work. Maybe you're worried about mortgage repayments, putting oil in the tank. Maybe you're wondering about the future. Maybe you're concerned about relationships. Maybe you're struggling in your holiness. Maybe you're struggling to be generous. Every time you pass the plates, you wonder, I know I should, but I don't. Maybe you're struggling with forgiveness. See, the peace of God and the God of peace, that's your answer. He is the only answer. We can be controlled by the wonderful, mysterious peace and presence of God. We can be guarded by the peace and presence of God. And I know, listen, sometimes this idea of peace, and this is what one, one writer said, for some it carries the idea of a spiritual marshmallow. I, thought that, I found that quite helpful. Like a spiritual marshmallow, soft and sweet. 
but without much substance. I like marshmallows, I have to say. But you get the picture. Soft and sweet, but without much substance. But no, the peace of God is something full of vitality, full of strength. Look at the pictures of controlling, guarding. Peace comes from a saving God. Peace is the fruit of the cross. Peace carries from the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Peace will crush Satan. Peace will defeat the power of sin and death and hell. Peace means security and confidence and victory and power. It's a big idea. It's a big need. And we're assured we can have it. Do we want it? Thankful people want it. Thankful people own it and live it. It comes from the Hebrew word shalom. It describes the condition of wholeness and well-being and contentment and security. Guess what, folks? If you're born again of Christ, it's your birthright. It's yours to enjoy. It's your legacy as disciples of Jesus. So inward, it comes to us in salvation as we're saved from our sins. And outwardly, it's shown in our godly relationships. God gives us peace. He wants his people to have peace. His very presence. See, one of the unmistakable marks of a disciple of Jesus, of a Christian, of a thankful follower of Christ, an unmistakable mark of his church is the peace of God. The peace of God. When we're controlled by this this kind of wisdom interaction that transcends all understanding when we're guarded by his beauty and his power. So that's the assurance. But how can we have it? How do we have this thing so that we can be controlled and guarded? Well, we've got four actions here. You'll notice the word, I think it's in all translations, certainly in the NIV. I hope it's also in the ESV and others, and King James if you're using it. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, if we, if we make reference to 4, 5, and 6, and the peace of God, will be yours. In other words, there's some things we've got to do. There's some commands we've got to obey. You notice in the, at the end of verse 9, again, after verse 8 and 9, what do we have? And the God of peace will be with you. In other words, there are conditions here. So, what are these conditions, these actions? In our relating, in our relationships, we need to show gentleness and joy. Joyful gentleness Joyful uh, is emphasized in verse 4, gentleness in verse 5. Now, if you know anything about the book of Philippians, you know that it's often called the epistle of joy. Sixteen times in the book, Paul urges the Christians at Philippi to rejoice. And here he says it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again. Rejoice. Emphasis means you know, go for it. Be busy being glad in the Lord. And throughout the letter, of course, Paul gives us this truth that the Lord is the source of our joy. 
Not circumstances, not people, not things, not jobs, not money, but the Lord. He's the source of our joy. Actually, here's the point. When we have him, nothing else really matters. And if we don't have him, nothing else really matters. It's all about having him. Everything else is manageable when we have him. Again, I, every time I'm, I'm with a believer dying, that's the, that's, the, that's the feeling I get from these people who are stepping from life into eternity. All they've got is Christ, and that's all they need at that time. That's all they need at any time. Folks, we've got to have him and value him and possess him and long for a smile upon our lives and seek his approval. Nothing else really matters beyond that. Now, in verses 1 to 3, Paul deals with these um, two ladies who are having a disagreement. The picture of verses 1 to 3 there is anger and disagreement and misery. Instead, what do we have in verse 4? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In other words, he's saying, don't cause division. Don't cause trouble. Have the peace of God. Share the peace of God. Be joyfully gentle in all your relationships. And verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. So in other words, be gentle and let people see it. Be evident to all. Some, of course, seem to have this uh, gift of being harsh and critical and divisive. They cannot have the peace of God. They may claim they have the peace of God, but they do not have the peace of God. It's impossible because one of the conditions for the peace of God is that we be gentle. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit. Inner calmness and mildness and moderation and uncomplaining readiness to accept others as they are and work to see them mature. It's like the way a parent parents a child. It's a non-defensive attitude that neither asserts their own rights nor insists in their own way. Gentleness. Do you want the peace of God? Joyful gentleness in our relationships. So, are you gentle? Or are you gruff in your manner? Are we abrupt and abrasive with one another? Are we intolerant and negative in our conversations? I've said it before in our Titus studies recently. Is it the fact that some people would rather not talk to us because they know they, they could come into a negative space? It's not the way to have the peace of God. It's not the way to show that we have the peace of God because we haven't got it. In our relating, joyful gentleness. Notice in verse 5, the Lord is near. That could be the Lord is near in the sense of his presence within us and within the church. It could mean that, or it could mean that he's coming again soon, and when he returns, all the wrongs that you have faced as an individual or as a family, all the wrongs that you have witnessed, they're going to be dealt with. I, I, I have a preference for the second one, although I, I wouldn't be against the first idea. I think it could well be both. But leave it with him, folks. Leave it with him. A lot of our lack of gentleness comes from the fact we feel slighted or that, uh, that people have 
treated us badly or wrongly, leave it to him. Leave it to him. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So how do we deal with a harsh, critical, unreasonable person? How do we do it? With gentleness. Sometimes you have to bite your tongue. But with gentleness, bite your tongue. Why? Because in doing so, we show we have the peace of God. And we show them they can have the peace of God. That's what thankful people do. In our relating joyful gentleness. In our troubles, prayer. Verse 6 Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, there's a sermon in each of these verses. I'm sure you're glad we're not going to do that today. But here we have the timeless, eternal remedy and medicine for anxiety it's the cure for worry, it's the exercise of prayer and thanksgiving. We bring praise to the one who saves us. We bring praise to the one who's in control and we seek his competent control in all the situations of life. He is all wise and all loving and all powerful. And I suppose it boils down to the fact, do we trust the God who says he is in control? Do we really trust him? See, our trust is linked with our praying. Um, Somebody once said years ago to me, much trust, much prayer. Little trust, little prayer. No trust, why bother? An ancient writer um, said this, I think I have time to read this. Tell him your troubles, that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys, that he may sober them. Tell him your longings, that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes, that he may help you conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations, that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart, that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved tastes for evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere, how pride disguises you to yourself and to others. If you thus pour out all your weaknesses, needs, troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. You will never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. People who have no secrets from each other never want for subjects of conversation. They do not weigh their words, for there is nothing to be held back. Neither do they seek for something to say. They talk out of the abundance of the heart without consideration that they, that they say just what they think. Blessed are they who attain to such a familiar, unreserved relationship with God. That's the way we ought to pray, folks. That's why we emphasize prayer. You'll see we're going to start our Friday morning prayer meetings again very soon as we try and get back after COVID. That's why Wednesday night we emphasize prayer. We've got to move away from ourselves, from our comforts, from our weaknesses, from our failures, and we must move increasingly to the one who is all-powerful. 
and who is the one who controls all things. We should never ask the question, why me, when we can go to the one who loves us and knows us and has power over us. Prayer brings peace. Do you want peace? Well, in our relationships, we've got to be joyfully gentle, and in our troubles, we've got to be prayerful. In our thinking, verse 8, we've got to be disciplined. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We've got to prepare our minds for living. We can't go into living in a broken world unprepared. If, if we go in with that kind of mindset, we are doomed to failure. We've got to think, 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 Think always about what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent or praiseworthy. And the result is peace. Don't allow your minds to be clouded in half-truths. Don't allow damaging thoughts to simmer in your heads and hearts. Don't allow negative thinking to damage relationships. Peace comes from our thinking when we think properly. Thoughts that are negative or narrow or destructive or impure or nasty or ungracious, do you know what will happen? Steal away our peace and destroy our testimony and drain us of emotional energy. Think, think, think. And then lastly, in our living being submissive. We're really running out of time. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. In other words, we're to practice what we know. The key need for me, for you, for us, is not more information. I think we've got enough information. The key need is for transformation, for application of what we know. And when we do, Paul says, hey, you will have peace. So practice what you read in the scriptures and, and, and practice what you hear preached. Practice what Christ has commanded and what Jesus has enabled. And if you do so, the God of peace will be with you. There are no easy answers to peace. There's no, there's no such thing as a cheap, a cheap journey to peace. It's the way of Jesus. Do you remember the way of Jesus? Who was the greatest example of being a gentle one and a joyful one? I mean, who is the, the primary example of prayer? the model of praying? Who is the one who's the, the example, the pure example of a disciplined life and the way he thought? Who is the submissive son? Jesus. And his life here on earth for those years was not easy. It's not easy having and enjoying the peace of God and the God of peace. In our relationships, we're in our relating, joyful gentleness, in our troubles, prayer, in our thinking, discipline, in our living, submiss, submission, that should be probably. That's the way to peace. That's the way a thankful person lives. The hymn writer Thomas Kelly said this, the life that intends to be wholly obedient, wholly submissive, wholly listening, 
is astonishing in its completeness. Its joys are ravishing, its peace profound, its humility the deepest, its power world-shaking, its love enveloping, its simplicity that of a trusting child. That's what thankful people are. Praise-filled people, that's what they are. Trusting people, it's exactly what they are. May God help you to know the peace of God and the God of peace in these days. Father, we are surrounded by a lack of peace, discontentment, misery, and anger. We long to be a people who know the peace of God and the God of peace. And we ask, Lord, that you, the sovereign God, will come now and write your truth on our hearts and lives. And may we be a different and a better people a thankful people who truly trust in you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.